Hey, so I gotta know, how many times have you said this? I have all the time in the world to fit in everything I need to. Yeah, me neither. I don't know of any teacher who has all the time that she needs. But you know what? We're going to talk about that today. Welcome to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast. It's episode 16. Teachers don't have enough time for all the things they have to do in a day. Yet, (laughs) you know it, we are masters at somehow making it all work, fitting it all in. It's a stroke of genius, it has to be. It's not easy, but somehow teachers manage to do it all. Today, I'm going to share one huge way that I fit RTI skill practice into my day and make sure that those skills are practiced, even when we don't have time, you know, specifically allocated for that in the schedule. I hope you stick around. I'm Jessica Curtis of Everyday Teaching Adventures. I'm a boy mom and a veteran teacher. You're listening to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast, where we talk all about helping students succeed academically, socially, and behaviorally. I hope you stick around. So confession time. I've been a little bit, you know, MIA missing in action recently. Because I have some really big changes going on over here with, you know, the the business, the everyday teaching adventures business. I'm not ready to share what all is going on just yet, but make sure you listen to the end of this podcast for some upcoming events. Last episode, we talked about getting started with RTI. But what we didn't talk about was how to fit it all in. And that is a huge part of what teachers do, isn't it? So obviously, your school's RTI and progress monitoring rules and guidelines, they're going to make a big impact on how you schedule that into your day. But we all know that students need more practice than we often have time to give them. So how can we give our struggling learners, especially, more opportunities to practice those foundational skills? Well, the way that I fit it in was during downtime. This obviously would look very different depending on grade and ability level of your students. So stick with me on this because I'm going to talk about ways I've done this in elementary and high school. So we should be able to come up with something that'll help you out. I'm going to start with elementary because, you know, honestly, elementary schools seem to be much more focused and open to using progress monitoring and RTI than secondary schools. I mean, that kind of irritates me because I think it could help in secondary, but, you know, whatever. We're starting with elementary. So when I was working with elementary students, I embedded the practice throughout the day. But especially during like brain breaks, transitions, those kinds of things. You know, all those times that happen, you know, kind of often for those younger students when the students just cannot focus any longer. There's no way in the world that you're going to be able to keep those kids on task and it is driving you insane. But you're a teacher. You have so many things to do. 
That is the perfect time to get the kids moving and practicing foundational skills. Plus, honestly, it gives their brains, you know, a little bit of a break from what you're trying to pound into them right that moment. So depending on the subject area we were focusing on, I would change up the skills, but the main idea was to get the kids moving and practicing. For math, we would march or jump in place while skip counting or practicing some math facts. For reading, the students could make like a big hop forward if a word I stated started with like a certain sound, if we were going for a certain consonant sound, or they could jump for the number of sounds they heard in the word. So for example, cat, how many sounds? Three, so they would jump three times. I would do the same thing for syllables, by the way. The students also loved skywriting the words that we were working on, like those phonics things, all that kind of stuff. And of course, there's the age-old clapping of the number of syllables in a word. Just throwing them out there, the kids loved it, it gave them a break, and it helped all the kids to just get their minds back into what we needed them to do. It was a little bit jarring, I think. Um, We would be working on, for example, reading comprehension, and the kids were getting antsy jump up and use some of the words that were in the text and just start clapping those syllables or jumping those syllables, it helped to get their minds back where I needed them to be to continue on. But it was also helping out my struggling learners. It gave them a little bit of success. It helped to review the words and it got their little bodies moving. Huge, huge win for everybody on that one. During transitions, I used songs or rhymes to help, you know, the students remember the rules we were learning and all that kind of stuff. So, for example, we would have like a song or rhyme that was associated with, you know, whatever the the rule was. And I would teach it to them during the little small group lesson or the large group lesson. And as the students were transitioning from one center to another, or maybe we were going from being lined up to sitting down, from seats to carpet or back and forth, they would have to sing that song with me. And as they were as they were going, and by the end of the song, they had to be wherever their assigned spot was. Well, that was really, really helpful for those students. It gave them a little bit of extra review of what we were learning, and it was something to just get their minds, again, just kind of a jarring opportunity for their brains to take a break from the stress that was on them right now, get something familiar in their systems, and it was a good transition to continue into whatever we needed them to do. So, and by the way, Even when we were walking in the hallways, I would call out some skill that we were working on and the students could raise their hands for the word if it rhymed or something, use thumbs up or down if, you know, maybe I got the math fact wrong or correct, whatever. And I mean, honestly, I used every moment I could during the day to keep the kids, first of all, occupied and to practice those skills. I, I remember my third year of teaching was when I really started putting this idea to practice. 
Um, my first couple of years, I, you know, I wanted my kids to be in that silent, perfect, you know, bubble and ducktail line walking down the hallways. But my third year, when we really started working on RTI and, and all those kinds of things, it dawned on me that that time that they were walking silently in the hallway, yeah, they looked like they were really on it. it looked like little soldiers. We were on an army base. Uh, they looked like cute little soldiers. But that was wasted time. And I, I started kind of counting the time, measuring it, paying attention to it, really. And we would spend, you know, five minutes in line waiting for, you know, the kids in front of us for lunch so that the kids could go through and get their lunches and all that. So that was prime time for my students to get a little bit of extra practice on counting syllables, counting sounds, uh, working on their addition and subtraction facts. That five minutes doesn't sound like much, but we did it every single day. That's 25 extra minutes of practice that my kids got weekly. You add that into every single time we were lined up waiting for something to happen. Maybe it was only two or three minutes here or there, but it adds up pretty quickly. And we all know, you know, that was the big catchphrase, bell to bell teaching and all that stuff. I don't know about you. There's no way in the world that I can focus solidly for 50 minutes straight and my first graders, second graders, there was no way in the world that that was going to work. But it's amazing how well they paid attention while they were walking in that line and I was calling out rhyming words and things like that. That that combination of having their little bodies moving, we were going someplace, we were, it was very, we were definitely going, walking very quickly. It's not like we were just lollygagging, but we were walking with a purpose and they were practicing their skills. It worked. It worked really well. And I, I really want to encourage, especially those younger teachers, elementary school, the little kids, try that out. You might be surprised at how well it works. For my high schoolers, all right, granted, it's harder to kind of work this in, especially when the skills are so different from one student group to another. So know that I realize how difficult this is, but it is something that you can work in. You're just going to have to think a little bit more on point about it. So the easiest way that I found to work in the RTI was in that, that bell work or that before class started work. When the students entered the classroom, I had the students complete a task practicing whatever foundational skills they were working on. Now I did have like an overview, like when I taught science, for example, uh, the, the entire topic was biology, but different groups of kids had different uh, articles that they were working on and the skills underneath were based on the foundational skills that those kids needed to work on. Believe it or not, whether it was sight words or decoding or even fluency, I had it set up so that the different groups of kids that had those different areas of need, they were focusing on that area even though it was a similar article. So a quick and easy practice session helps to get their brains just engaged on that subject area. 
And, you know, it might help them get ready to, you know, start working once the bell rings. Um, I will say that, and I did try it a couple times and it didn't really work for me, but it worked really well for another teacher that I knew. Uh, she would stand at her door and before the kids could enter, she would ask them, you know, a single question, whatever it is, that was kind of their entry pass. And it was always very, uh, focused on what the kid was working on, what they needed. So, um, she might be working on, you know, one kid's really working on, I don't know, multiplication. Another kid was, she was very much focused on getting him to, to, identify poetry or working on vocabulary was another big one that she worked with a lot of kids on. And she, you know, she knew her kids really well, so she could kind of do it on the fly. But she would stand at her door and before the kids could enter, she they had to answer a question for her. That worked really well. And I think one of the reasons it worked really well for her was because it helped her to really have a connection with each student. All those 150 students that walked past her every day, they knew that she was going to ask them their own question. It wasn't going to be, you know, just a everybody answers the same question. It was very tailored to each individual's needs. Are you going to be able to do that on the first day of school? Heck no, absolutely not. But over time, uh, I think that that would be very much something that I would like to incorporate. Like I said, it didn't work well for me and my students, mostly because several of my students had some pretty severe cognitive delays. And so just the processing time that it took for them to answer a question, we had a big old line out the door and kids, it was, it was, we were clogging up the hallways and it just, it wasn't working. But I will say that for other teachers, it was very, very beneficial. For me, something that was really helpful, in addition to the bell work, was I did incorporate brain breaks into my high school classes. But, you know, I had to be a little more sneaky about it because, you know, big kids are so big and they don't do baby stuff and blah, 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 you know, teenagers. So whenever the kids got unfocused, and let's be honest, those teenagers show out exactly the same way my elementary kids did. You'd start seeing the tapping. You'd start seeing the, you know, the head down and the we're looking out the window and all that kind of stuff. It was really obvious when they started getting unfocused. So I would start throwing out just some random questions to the class that hit on foundational skills that they need to practice with, right? So if we were, again, I'll go back to my biology example. If we were working on, oh, I don't know, photosynthesis. And again, I taught some classes where the students had some pretty, they, they had a difficult time with processing. So I would pull out, we would be talking about, you know, photosynthesis, and I would pull out some of the foundational skills. Hey, how many syllables in the word photosynthesis? Somebody look it up in the dictionary. Tell us the definition of the, of the word. And just those random questions. Yes, they were connected with the topic, but coming up with those random questions to give them a little bit more opportunity to get get their hands dirty with the subject, but also give them some success. 
those students that were working on dictionary skills, for example, giving them that word that they could look up in the dictionary helped give them some success. They were able to find it, and as the year went on, they got better and better and better at it, obviously. So here's the deal with that. I would call out, you know, a random question, and the student that got it right, you know, they would come up, and I would, of course, have, you know, a list of questions. They could choose which one they wanted to do, and they could ask the next question, And every single student that, you know, got the answer right, or at least gave it a really good try, they would get to come up and they would get to ask the next question on my list. And so I also incentivized this by every time a kid, you know, participated like this, this was a participation point, which for me was just extra credit. I don't know if you can do that, but it it was, my classes were kind of rocking it with that. Um, so I would let this go for maybe two or three minutes, up to five, never more than five minutes of this. But using that helped to get the kids way more engaged. And when we went back into the text or into the meat of the lesson, they were ready to get back to it. Their brain had had a little bit of a break. It wasn't just, you know, Mrs. Curtis standing up there, wah, 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 the whole time. They had gotten to participate, to be an active member in what was going on, and that really engaged them for the rest of the lesson. So I know, believe me, I know, we are all buried in all the things that have to be done right now. Everything seems to be an emergency during the school day, right? Especially now in the age of COVID. But we can find sneaky little ways to practice those foundational skills throughout the school day. And if we do that, we're going to see more student progress across the board. And over time, we're going to see fewer struggling learners. And that is ultimately the goal, right? To get all the students successfully on grade level. Or at least that was always my goal. So what are some sneaky ways that you can incorporate skill practice during your school day? I would truly love to hear your ideas. Let's share our ideas so that we can make this year a good one for everybody. So here we are at the end of the podcast. I promised I'd share some of the things that have been going on. And well, honestly, I've been pretty busy behind the scenes here changing up my business for the better. When I started Everyday Teaching Adventures five years ago, teaching was a huge adventure for me. And that was really the best way to describe it. But as the years have gone on, I have matured and become more and more passionate about making sure that all students, especially struggling learners, have an opportunity to succeed. I truly believe that if we can teach a student to read, to the level that they need to for their career ambitions, for their job ambitions, for whatever it is they want, we give them the freedom to choose. They can choose what they want to do with their lives. And I cannot, I can't imagine a better gift for a student. And I I think that more, all of our students should be able to make that choice. So after a lot of thinking, Uh, I have decided to go ahead and narrow my focus to that endeavor. 
Uh, I am relaunching my business under a name that's it's much more representative of who I am and what my hopes are for the future. So next week, I'm going to be launching the Teaching Struggling Learners business. Just so you know, I'm going to be putting all my TPT store items for sale next week. Every day will be a different group of items. They'll be 50% off for that day. With the launch, I have made a new website and I'll be sharing a few freebies along the way. You can catch all the fun over on Instagram or Facebook at Teaching Struggling Learners. I'm just super excited to be sharing more valuable information and practical resources for teachers, for administrators, and for any parents who might be listening in to reach and teach all of the struggling learners. I really hope that you join me in this course adjustment. In the meantime, thank you for listening to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast, episode number 16. Please leave a comment, send me a message, let me know what you think about the show. I'd love it if you left a rating for the podcast on iTunes. You know it, that helps other people find the podcast, and I'm always looking for a listener shout out. Until next time, may your coffee be strong, your roster prepared, and they actually give it to you, you know, the first day back. Bye.